1: reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate
0: responsibly. Coors Brewing Company,
1: Golden, Colorado.
2: Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019 and someone is getting up to use the bathroom at the stadium.
1: Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Mind if I just... Squeeze
0: by here. This has been the Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates.
2: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit ChucksCafe.com and SeatGiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE to check out to save. Let's drop the puck.
1: Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Naveau and 670 the Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski.
2: Here I, Chicago! <laughs>
1: Woo! Welcome into our very first postseason madhouse chicago hockey podcast i am james Navo from nbc5 chicago and with me to discuss the now concluded blackhawks season which saw them miss the postseason for the first time in a decade is jay zawoski of 670 to the score jay you've got your uh off-season look all going i saw you went to the uh hairstylist and got a new look going for the after the season kind of you know period of reflection how are you feeling today my friend
2: Uh, I'm feeling good I found myself I think I told you a couple podcasts ago like I'm not gonna watch any playoffs and then tonight I was like are there any games on tonight I'd really like to watch some hockey tonight so I immediately before the games even started I'm back in (laughs) so uh, I'm excited about the playoffs beginning we're gonna get into that too Um, we have not been together since John McDonough announced that Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman would be back for next season. So that's going to be the large bulk of the first part of the show. We'll also look uh, down the line to some free agency because Stan Bowman alluded that they might have some money to be players this summer. Another thing Stan said in that regard I want to get to uh, later on as well. And we'll also preview the playoffs and get to some other things as well. But uh, let's start off, James, with um, when last we talked, we were expecting the Hawks to make some sort of announcement on Sunday or Monday turns out they made that announcement the day after we recorded Uh, John McDonough got in front of the media at practice uh, announced both Quenville and Bowman would return and there we were uh, with our puds in our hands as usual (laughs) and not being able to get together for a podcast because of schedules and whatnot but uh, here we are today discussing it and I I don't think it's a surprise to uh, either of us I'll speak for myself Uh, as we looked at the thing sort of big picture and you look at all the things that happened this year that affected the Blackhawks season, namely Corey Crawford missing half the year, Marion Hossa missing the whole year, and your star player is sort of simultaneously slumping. It was sort of easy to predict that uh, the season would go down the way it did. And I don't know if I can bl- really blame Stan Bowman directly or Joel Glenville directly for any of the issues that took place this, that took place this year.
1: Well, you can't blame them directly for the injuries, obviously. I mean, Corey Crawford, to a certain extent, has been a little injury prone lately. But the reality is, is that it's, it hasn't been anything like this. It's been like missed five games or so with whatever. And obviously he had the appendectomy as well. That's obviously not his fault. But you obviously want to have a better backup plan than the one that the Blackhawks ended up having. And we all thought that Anton Forsberg could potentially be a pretty solid backup. of Scott Darling, obviously that did not work at all really did impact the Blackhawks, despite the fact that there was some, a little bit of talk about their save percentages for a while toward the end of the year. it even that just kind of became no dice. Like it just was bad to watch. It was tough to watch. And the goaltending obviously was a really big concern and you can blame Stan a little bit for that but it's so hard to measure that as successful when you literally have your starting goaltender miss 3 quarters of the season. Like that just yeah. That's not that's not going to work and that's not something you can really hold against a GM when you're having to play a backup goaltender that much. But other stuff with the roster, just kind of the inability to kind of adapt to changing circumstances and, you know, the attempt to get younger didn't really end up panning out this season. And you have guys who are starting to hit the uh, back nine of their careers, so to speak, too. So while I'm not going to blame Stan directly for the results of this season specifically... I think moving forward, he's going to end up having to be culpable if this team continues to backslide because he's the one that put them in a position where they potentially are not going to be able to make enough adjustments and enough changes to kind of stave off that decline.
2: No, you're right about that, and I think one thing we did learn with this announcement from McDonough last week was that for better or worse, and whether they like it or not, Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman are linked If there's another season next year, like this year, they're both fired. I don't think there's any question about it. This year we spent a lot of time saying, would it be Q? Would it be Bowman? Would it be either, you know, neither or both? I think now it's very clear that their futures are connected and they need to find a way. And it's been two guys that have not always seen eye to eye on things. Again, not that it's an aggressive dislike of each other, but their philosophies differ a little bit. They're going to have to figure it out and work together. And one thing you said, James, and, and Joel Quenville uh, to his credit, sort of pointed a thumb at himself uh, during the season-ending press conferences and said, I, I probably should have done a better job at getting us to play more as a team. I think for a long time, the Hawks had enough talent where uh, the system worked because you had elite skilled players, elite skilled defensemen, guys that were you know among the top players in the league, pretty much on your top three lines and your top four or five defensemen. When that went away, Q didn't really adapt the system that much. I think having a more team-oriented game, which we've seen lesser-skilled teams do to great success in the past, maybe not Stanley Cups, but more success than what the Blackhawks had, that could be a change that Joel Quenville can look at making, and it sounds like he's going to. I don't know what specifically that would mean necessarily, but instead of saying, this is the Blackhawks system, play it, he would say... Here's the guys we have. Let's make a system that works for them.
1: Yeah, I can, I can see where you're coming from with that. And obviously I give Joel a lot of credit for being willing to admit that like it wasn't obviously just about guys underperforming. It's also about trying to figure out ways in which you can maximize the abilities of the guys that you have. And I think that if you're being honest with yourself, I think you would admit that at least to yourself that you need to make those adjustments But by the same token, I also do appreciate the fact, like you said, that he was willing to be a little bit uh, forthcoming with that information. And it definitely was a lot more forthcoming than he was, you know, all season long about, say, the status of Corey Crawford or even now. Like, do we really can you say conclusively right now that Corey Crawford is going to start next season healthy? I don't think you can.
2: Well, Q Q said he's very close to returning um well yeah he said
1: that back in like January (laughs) the
2: season's over Joel you know that right
1: (laughs) yeah like that he said that back in January and that was continuously the line that was continuously what they said was oh he's close he's close he's close as far as I know he has not been on the ice since like February or early March like it's been a while since Corey Crawford was even on the ice so as you go into this offseason like that's God, that has to be right there at the top of the list of concerns for next season. And I know that we can talk about scoring a little bit. You might need another forward, but we're going to get to that stuff in a little bit. But first and foremost, right now, now that you've established that Joel and Stan are staying here, that to me obviously indicates that they want to continue to be a playoff team potentially. And the top question on the list that they have to tackle is what the heck they're going to do with goaltender because you cannot go into next off-season or next season having Anton Forsberg or Jean-François Barube or Scott Foster be your backup goalie. Well,
2: let me ask you this before we move too too far. You said something a while back that the I think you said something like playing the kids or pl- the youth movement didn't really work out. Let me ask you this. If Corey Crawford is healthy and Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane Brandon sod and Duncan Keith all play at the level we expect them to play at. And I'm not saying go back to their primes, but I'm saying a reasonable expectation for how those guys should play at this point in her career. If those things occur are the Blackhawks a playoff team and are they potentially a favorite to win it, to win the series in round one? I think they are. So to me, mm-hmm. it's hard to say that the kid thing didn't work because like I've said all year long and, and, and you've been right there with me, the kids haven't really been the problem on the blue line maybe you know connor murphy growing pains rooted growing pains all those things but up front the young forwards were the bright spots of this team
1: that is fair but what i was what i was saying was that the youth movement took steps forward this year but it didn't come close i don't think to addressing some of the longer term concerns that you're gonna end up having obviously we have not found another top four defenseman for this team yet with Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook taking steps back. We are going to probably end up needing on this roster another center at some point because I think soon at some point I would imagine they're at least going to toy with the idea of moving Jonathan Taves off of center, as blasphemous as that sounds. You look at what Philadelphia did with Claude Giroux and you immediately are like, hmm, perhaps that's something that the Blackhawks could do. And at least like explore that as an option. So I'm not saying that the youth movement was a failure by any stretch. I'm not saying that the young guys were the problem this season. I think, though, it is fair to say that if they're trying to get younger and faster, it didn't feel like they did enough to do that this year. They took steps forward. I just I don't think they're progressing quite fast enough to replace what they're losing really quickly.
2: Yeah. Well, that's totally fair. That's that's a fair criticism for sure. Uh, another thing, by the way, you said needing a center. I'd be shocked if Artem Anisimov is a Blackhawk when the next season begins.
1: Completely agree with that. And I think that that's a guy that you can potentially target to get a little bit of extra salary cap relief. The problem is, obviously, are you going to have to retain any salary? And then you definitely have to look for another center, a top-nine guy. I don't know if you're going to find a top-six center in this market necessarily, but if they end up doing that move, which they should do because you do need to start getting a little bit younger and more athletic up in the middle of your lineup, that, that does open up another thing that you will need, and I think they honestly do need to go in that direction, even though it's a little bit of a calculated risk in doing so.
2: Yeah, it's going to be... Probably the most interesting offseason we've had in this regime. I think there's a lot of things that can change.
1: Oh, for sure, dude. I mean, I the first Stanley Cup, the offseason after that, ended up being like incredibly fascinating because of all of the guys like Dustin Bufflin and Christopher Versteeg that they had to say goodbye to. That was a fascinating process. I was really intrigued by that. And I think that this one's going to be right up there in terms of them needing to make some pretty sizable changes and you're not sure do they have the flexibility to do it. They're going to have some cap space. The problem is you have the roster space.
2: Yeah, that is a huge question. And I want to get to that too a little bit because one of the things Sam Bowman, uh, you know, we're looking ahead to this off season and seeing the cap space situation and um, Satchel price did a good job in the sun times of sort of breaking down the Hawks cap situation. And if we're looking at an ideal world, uh, where the cap goes up to $82 million, it probably won't. The Hawks will have about $12 million to spend. That's with Anisimov on the roster, and that would be with, uh, not obviously not a fully filled-out roster, but that would be their cap space to sort of fill things out. Um, but Bowman said this, and he said it very clearly, that they are not going to lose Nick Schmaltz, Alex DeBrinkett, or any of the uh, important young forwards on his team. He prioritized signing young players so they're here long term and he almost said it I don't know if he said it flat out but the indication was definitely there that even if it means moving a veteran we are ensuring these young players are Blackhawks for years to come so that's a little bit of a different approach from Bowman and for everything he said about like oh you know these guys are still in their prime and are going to bounce back blah 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 when he says something like that where he implies that these guys these young players will be resigned regardless regardless of veteran status, um, he's going to do everything he can to bring forward the next movement as opposed to cater to the past movement. And John McDonough very clearly said, too, we are not tethered to the past. To me, that is a message to Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith and Brandon Sod and Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane, of course, the last two to a lesser extent. But I don't think John McDonough is resting on the laurels of three Stanley Cups anymore. At least he says he's not. But to say it that clearly, we are not tethered to the past. That tells me that this last year for Q, for Bowman and for all those core players is hugely important to their futures in Chicago.
1: Can I make a sarcastic comment about them not being tethered to the past and signing Brett Seabrook to an eight year contract? Am I allowed to do that?
2: I think you have to now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? It's true. We're not tethered to the past, except when we sign an aging defenseman who's been a really important part of this team, but we're going to way overpay him and give him a full max eight years.
2: There will never be. I say this every podcast. Maybe I'll just record it before everyone and play it back before we start. (laughs) There will never be an explanation of that contract that I will agree with and say, "Okay, that makes sense.
1: Brent Seabrook had a gun to his head and Stan Bowman had to do it.
2: Nope, not enough. You (laughs) You, (laughs) You take a bullet for the organization, my friend. That's, That's what right, Ditka would have done. Man.
1: That's what Ditka would have done. There's a reason the Black Hawk sweater is red, my friend. It is to cover the blood that you shed on behalf of that team.
2: Wow, that got dark quickly. All right, let, hey, let's take. Our... We're
1: already talking about Stan getting shot. Why not? You know, we
2: are. All right, let's. A lot of Hawks fans would like that, by the way. Let's take no, our first timeout. <laughs> um, and before we do, we want to tell you about our friends at. Where should we start today? Triple Threat Sports. Let's start at yeah, Triple let's Threat give them Sports. Some love, yeah. You want to order yourself. Uh, oh, no, you can't order a Blackhawks playoff patch jersey, can you? Oh. Wah, wah. Well,
1: you can. You'll just look really weird.
2: You want to get yourself a Cubs or White Sox jersey fresh for the baseball season? Triple Threat Sports is the place to go for that. But did you also know, as softball season, as baseball season fast approaches, you need to outfit your teams? Triple Threat Sports is the place to get it done. You will look sharp as attack. That's a thing, right? Sharp as attack? That sounds mm-hmm. right. Uh, if you go to Triple Threat Sports for uni- for your uniforms, for your outfitting, for all those things, Chris will take care of you. He'll make it look great. They are our longest-running sponsor, so we thank them for their continued support. Visit TripleThreatSports.com or send them an email, Chris at TripleThreatSports.com. That's Triple Threat Sports. If you can wear it, they can make it 708-478-6090 for Triple Threat Sports. We'll be back with more on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast coming up next.
1: Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We spent the uh, first part of the podcast talking about the return of Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville and just kind of what went wrong this season and kind of what happened to the team. And we started getting a little bit into where this team is going to need to go moving forward. But I want to kind of like step that up a little bit and to do that. Jay, I have to ask you a question, and I'll go ahead and I'll answer as well. What do you see as the Blackhawks' biggest offseason need? If there is one thing that has to be at the top of the list for Joel Quenville and Stan Bowman to address in terms of the makeup of this roster, what is their biggest need?
2: Well, I'm going to give you a 1A and a 1B, and one of them is out of their hands. The most important thing to me this offseason is Corey Crawford, and if he can come back and play – hockey at a level that he played at before he got injured is he going to be able to continue his career in the NHL or is he a long-term threat to be gone for long long periods of time over and over again that's the number one most important thing if that is true if he can come back and play close to or near the level he was before the injury I believe the biggest thing you need to fill is another veteran defenseman I was very close to saying backup goalie but I think if you're having a regular Corey Crawford season, you can put Anton Forsberg or J.F. Perube or whoever in that role, and they'll do fine. They just can't handle anything you know, long-term, you know, 40-plus starts, or anything like that. that. That just can't be. And I don't think many teams, truth be told, could survive that either. But to me, uh, if Crawford is okay and they feel like he can go the full load of an average NHL starting goalie or maybe more than that, then I think you need to find a way to add a veteran puck-moving defenseman uh, to get back to the system that worked, because let's not make any mistakes here. When the Hawks were winning Stanley Cups, all of it started from the blue line forward. They would move the puck through the zone quickly and accurately, and that transition game was what set them apart. That is what has been lacking more than anything, and that's why you're seeing the offensive numbers down as a whole for all the forwards, too
1: i can definitely see that um i have three things that i've been uh starting to write up for nbc this will be coming out tomorrow my biggest questions and my biggest offseason needs the biggest need i think a top four defenseman is something that they have been needing for a little while and the need is obviously going up you know quite a bit with the decline of duncan keith and the fact that they traded nick Jalmerson and that kind of stuff does increase that need however I am going to stick with backup goaltender. And I think the reason that I'm going to is that there are guys on the free agent market that could potentially be intriguing. Not like, oh, God, this guy is a must sign. You absolutely have to go get him, yada, yada. Nobody's like that, obviously. And I think the one guy... The one guy I think we had mentioned just kind of been passing was Auntie Ranta, and he signed a $4 million deal with the Coyotes last week. So he's already off the market. That's not going to be an option.
2: Cross him off. then.
1: <laughs> there are still guys around, though, that could potentially fill the role for the Blackhawks and be potentially a solid backup option. You have guys like Carter Hutton down in St. Louis. If they don't re-sign him, you could maybe look into him. Jonathan Bernier is going to be a free agent out in Colorado. You also have Eddie Lack. You've got Cam Ward, Yaroslav Halak. None of these guys are going to blow the doors off and be like, oh, God, we absolutely have to get this guy. But there are a good number of options if the Blackhawks want to get a proven, relatively solid veteran goaltender who can carry the load if Corey Crawford misses another 10 game batch next season or something. Obviously you're not going to find anybody who's going to be able to play 55 games for the kind of money that they're going to be able to afford to pay out for a backup goaltender. But you can find a guy that's going to be at least somewhat of an insurance policy. If Crawford has more than just like a game or two that he needs off, if there's like an absence of say 10 or 15 games, I think that those guys are out there and therefore, I would put that at the top of the offseason need list.
2: Well, when you look at the names you listed and you said Eddie Lack, you said Carter Hutton, you said Jonathan Bernier and a couple others, Carter Hutton in 32 games played 2.09 goals against 0.931 save percentage. He was making 1.125 last year. Now, looking at those numbers, it tells me that he could be headed in the direction of a Scott Darling where some mm-hmm. teams going to look at him as a potentially inexpensive answer to be their starter and just sort of, fingers crossed, hope he can do it. Um, I don't know if he's going to be a backup anymore. I think he's probably earned the right to be a starter. If not, that is ideal. That's an ideal backup, and that's the sort of guy you can maybe even alternate with Crawford. Uh, 32 mm-hmm. years old, so he's on the, the older side. But that's sort of what we're looking at here. Is as the Hawks try to hold this window open for a couple more seasons, you're going to probably want to bring in more of a veteran guy. Eddie Lack is a guy that intrigues me. He only played eight games this year, um, 4.01 goals against, and a .87 save percentage. Now, that's terrible, but again, it's an eight-game sample size, and that's a guy who at one point in his career was considered potentially to be a future star in this league. Uh, maybe right now he could be had for cheap. That's a name I would consider. I think Bernier is a guy, too, who a lot of people thought was, he was behind Jonathan Quick for all those years, Got a couple mm-hmm. shots as a starter and didn't blow the doors off people like they thought he would. But 2.85 goals against and .913 save percentage, that's totally fine for a backup goalie. Totally fine. still 29 years old, too. So a lot of good names you mentioned there, all of which uh, I have a little bit of interest in as a Hawks fan.
1: Yeah, and like I said, nobody to blow your doors off. But I definitely think there are guys who could potentially fill that role. And therefore I think that if you're going to prioritize the guys that you're going to sign, that'd be the direction I would kind of end up leaning in. Now I do have one other question and we've talked a lot about Corey Crawford. Obviously we have no idea whether or not that guy is going to be healthy going into next season. We hope he is Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville hope he is, but we don't know that for sure. But the other question that I kind of teased a little bit in the first part of the show, is it insane of me to think that maybe moving Jonathan Taves to wing is something we could see in the next couple of years like that. You saw what happened with Claude Giroux in Philadelphia. You definitely would give him more offensive spark and opportunity in that winger role, but you're obviously then shortchanging yourself in the center department. But I, I think the health benefits and the ability to kind of focus on his offense, I think are both kind of intriguing with that idea. What do you think about moving Jonathan Tabes off center and moving him to Wayne?
2: I'm not opposed to it. Um, problem is you're going to have to find a couple guys who can win some damn face-offs because he's the only one doing it with any regularity. I don't think it's time yet. I think uh, at least maybe I would do it. Let me, let me clarify I'm not saying I wouldn't do it. I don't see Bowman and Quenville doing that next year. I don't see that as their option. Like, all right, our big move to start the season is starting Jonathan Taves at wing. Again, it's going to take time to get centers in the system that can win some faceoffs, And, of course, Jonathan Taves can take those faceoffs and then move over to the wing and take over those duties, of course. But I still think they see him as a center. I'm kind of on the fence. I could see that maybe freeing him up would get the offense back for him a little bit. But look, you know, he finished with, what, 52 points this year after some horrific slumps. Is it yeah. unreasonable to expect, to expect maybe 10, 15 more points next year? And if that was the case, could you live with that? Could you live with 70, you know, 72 points next year? I, I, I don't I don't know if that's, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's – if it's totally necessary to move him there yet. He's not a guy you ever really counted on for – huge like point per game scoring his all-around game is what made him special and yes he was scoring more often back in the day when they were winning cups and everything but I still think that he has so much value as a center that it might be a little bit premature to do that just yet I'm not opposed to it in the future maybe even late next year if he starts off the same way but I think to start the season I probably wouldn't do anything that drastic right away
1: uh, first things first here, Jay. The the expectation of him being a 70-point scorer, I'm going to I'm dismissing that right now. That's not going to happen as a center. You know the last time he scored 70 points in a season? I don't. It was 2011. Since then he has gone 57, 48, 68, 66, obviously close to 70, but then the last 3 seasons, 58, 58 and 52. I feel like this is closer to normal than we maybe want to admit with him. But I, I don't see a 70-point season coming back for him unless he gets freed up a little bit from those center duties. And I know he's obviously a really good two-way center. I just, I don't know, man. I don't see 70 points happening so long he's as, as he's in the position. And if the Blackhawks think that his maximum value comes as that kind of 65, 70-point scorer... Then you maybe do explore moving him out to wing. However, there is a big caveat here that I have to bring up, obviously, and that's the center market next season. It's not great. The centers that you're looking at as potential options, obviously you have John Tavares. There's no way on God's green earth the Blackhawks (laughs) are going to be able to afford to sign him. So go ahead. We'll chuck him out. That's not going to happen. Some of these other free agents aren't exactly tickling my fancy, so to speak. You've got Paul Stastny, who had 53 points last season. You have Thomas Placanek, who played in 77 games and had 26 points. No, not not happening for me. Valtteri Philpola had 33 points last season. Tyler Bozak had 43. You had Leo Komarov, who had 19. Mark Latestu had 23. This market for centers is not very good. And so I feel like you might be right that it might be premature to move Jonathan Taves off of center into wing. I almost think at this point, it's almost like you can't because that center market just isn't there. And you don't have anybody in the system that can jump up and be another top six center. You have Nick Schmaltz who can't win a faceoff, but still scores a lot. You can tolerate that in the top six as long as you have another guy that can win a draw and consistently score, I'm just not seeing that guy on this market.
2: No, I sure can't. And when you look at that, if you don't see Schmaltz as an everyday you know, second-line center, you almost kind of have to keep Anisimov. I know the money is bad, but if you're going to not play him at center every game and have him win close to 50%, even if it's like 45%, 46%, that's at least livable. If he can't get to that level, you're going to have to have another center around. And I don't think it should be David Kampfer any of those kind of you know throw it throw a name in a hat and pull it out kind of run-of-the-mill you know I guess you call it like a foray hockey player um yeah this list is unimpressive and John Tavares is going to get what 11 12 yeah per I year probably
1: get, I think he's going to end up getting around Jonathan Taves' money if not more and obviously unless the Blackhawks trade Jonathan Taves, that's not happening and I also don't see them trading Taves under any circumstances. I just, man, can you imagine the uproar in this town? Like, people are calling for it, and whether or not you agree with them, we can leave that aside for another time, but can you imagine if they actually pulled the trigger and did that? Like, how how crazy would that be?
2: They would have to get a household name star player back, and I don't know who that would be. Um, I can't. I can't... Eric
1: Carlson, my friend.
2: I don't think your average Chicago sports fan knows who Eric Carlson is, sadly. Well, not they that probably
1: you, should because not, he's awesome.
2: Well, of course. Not that you should base your – and I'm never, ever base your roster decisions off of how the fan base will react. Oh, definitely not. We, that's we a good way to suck forever. Because then Ryan Sandberg will be managing the Cubs and mm-hmm. – <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you listen to the fans, you're bound to lose. So I'm not saying that's it, but if uh, – you're asking me about what the reaction would be. It would be really bad. I think it would be really bad. We I, I what is on with David Schuster on the score this weekend. And he asked me, uh or we I took a call and a guy's like, Tave should be stripped of a captaincy, and if he doesn't oh, he should renegotiate his deal, and if he doesn't like it, he can play in Rackford. I said, Sir, in my eighteen years at the score, that's the dumbest one I've heard. Congratulations.
1: <laughs> that is like a brand new low. That's my god yes. like where do you even start with how wrong that is like i i cannot even fathom this
2: well one thing we did we mentioned uh in your first question we mentioned some defensemen and uh why don't we since we looked over the centers available and the goalies available why don't we take a peek at the defensemen here and you want to talk about some unimpressive lists <laughs> my friend this is an unimpressive list
1: oh god i I, I cringe because I already know where this is going, and I would advise our listeners with sensitive stomachs to uh, avert their ears.
2: So we said the goal would be to bring in a puck-moving veteran defenseman. All right. Yep. Uh, Mike Green, you want Mike Green? Thirty-two no, years thank old, you. Uh, thirty-three points uh, for the Wings this year, and sixty-six games. It's a six million dollar cap hit that will obviously go down. Yes. Uh, Tobias Enstrom. 33 remember when
1: Tobias Enstrom used to be like a dynamic like top three or four defenseman for that like brief little glimmer of time oh those were the days that was
2: a brief glimmer speaking of brief glimmers of time at the top Jason Garrison
1: <laughs> these are by the way where they're organized by highest cap hit last season so don't think this is like a ranking of the quality of the free that is definitely
2: not that all right so here's the names going down Jack Johnson all right but he made 4.3 last year, probably out of the range. Alexi Emelin for Vegas made 4.1, but that's nine points in 76 games. It's not a, a great puck mover. Kevin no. Bieksa, hard pass. Two names on this list interest me. Number one is John Carlson. Absolutely. Who is going to get a huge payday, a huge raise from his nearly $4 million cap at 68 points in 82 games with the with the caps. Look, if you can get John Carlson, you have gone a long way into solving your problems. 28-year-old defenseman, definite puck mover, definitely an offensive defenseman who can defend as well. That would be my top target, but again, at what price, right? That's the sort of thing where we talk about you bring him in and you risk losing uh, Nick Smaltz or Alex it down the road because you simply can't sign him. I would think Carlson's going to get six and a half, seven at least,
1: I think that's reasonable. Yeah, about six and a half million is about what I had in peg debt.
2: And we see how crazy teams go in free agency on July first. He will be one of the first guys signed, and I think it's going to be at a huge price tag. So
1: you got and the, the age, man, that is the big selling point for him in a market full of guys who are already into their thirties. He's only twenty-eight,
2: right? And then that brings me to the other name on this list, a guy who sort of has been on the fringe of, of breaking out and hasn't really done it yet. Calvin DeHaan for the New York Islanders 33 games 12 points not not numbers that will blow you away but he's 26 years old and I think if you put him on a team with experienced defensemen like Duncan Keith like Brent Seabrook a defensive minded coach like Brent uh, like Joel Quenville it's a guy who could develop a little bit in a more stable organization than the New York Islanders so Calvin DeHaan to me is a realistic possibility and a guy who would upgrade the D now I don't think he's going to put you back as a cup contender right away like John Carlson might do but I think Calvin DeHaan could be a nice sort of second tier option that definitely upgrades the D he's definitely got some upside in his game and again like I said he could maybe thrive under a more stable organization
1: I think those two names are really good in terms of guys that the Blackhawks should target I think the obvious issue is going to be that a lot of other teams are going to be gunning for him too and so that cap space that Stan Bowman discussed the team potentially having it's that it's right there, man. That's exactly where you end up using that because John Carlson won't be te- cheap. And I think that Calvin DeHaan won't cost six and a half million dollars, but five, maybe, I was thinking four and a half, five million dollars, which is right around Artem money. So just saying, man, that that might be where their heads are going.
2: That, I would not be upset about that. I don't think any Hawks fans would be. But, man, Carlson, would, well, that would get you right back to where you need to be. It really would.
1: Well, we all know what they're going to end up doing is they're going to end up signing somebody like Francois Beauchemin or John Moore or something, and it won't be good enough.
2: All right, let's make our prediction for name we don't want sign that the Hawks are going to sign.
1: Hmm. I am going to go with luke shen, shen. They're, right, gonna like think, they're gonna think that he's got something left in the tank and they're gonna try really hard to pull it out of him and it's not gonna work
2: all right i'm going thomas hickey oh just because it's the kind of name where I'd, I'd get the press release and be like what why kind of and... like
1: when they re nikolai hobby Bullen, and i'm like wait why in the hell are you
2: doing this, this does nothing for me it's not bad per se it's just kind of like a <laughs> kind of a move
1: yeah i'm just t- i'm telling you luke shen is the kind of guy who has the name but not anything to go with it he is all sizzle and no steak my friend
2: all right well now that we've depressed ourselves with potential blackhawks free agents let's take another time out and then we will look ahead to the stanley cup playoffs which begin on wednesday let's go let's get them started i'm ready i'm ready i'm ready but first yes. got to tell you about our friends at Marishka's and in crest hill 604 Theodore Street, like I said, in Crest Hill. Family owned and operated since 1933. We've told you about the poor boys. We've told you about the steaks. We've told you about the chops. we told you about the seafood. we told you about the twice-baked potato. It's time for you to get in your car and drive to Crest Hill and go to Mariska's. How many more times do we have to tell you to do this? Once you go, you will thank us. I'd say once a week, James, we get some sort of tweet or text or email saying, Oh, my God. I finally checked out Mariska's. You guys were totally right. I'm going to go there all the time now. It's one of my top spots in the city. No kidding. We've been telling you this for, what, three seasons now. Go yeah. to Mariska's, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving, so you have some time. Get out to Crest Hill. Say hello to Joe and all the pe- great people there at Mariska's. And while you're there, sample their great craft beers or book a banquet. Why not? You have 110 friends, right? Good. They're all going to fit at Marishka's. Check them out, Marishka's, Marishka's.com or Facebook.com slash Marishka's, M E R I C H K A S. When we come back, we talk about playoff hockey as opposed to the Blackhawks on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
1: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, we've been talking about the Blackhawks. What went wrong this season and what could go right this offseason? Please, God, let John Carlson happen. But. Before we go any further, we are going to talk a little bit of NHL playoffs, which unfortunately don't involve our beloveds. However, the AHL playoffs, we got to give a big shout out to the Chicago Wolves, who clinched a playoff spot. We had a great event with them this season, if y'all will remember that. And they are poised to potentially win their second straight Central Division title. So congratulations to the Chicago Wolves and 45 minutes ago, with a victory over the Iowa Wild, the Rockford Ice Hogs are also playoff bound in the Calder Cup postseason. Congratulations to both of those teams.
2: Yes, good for them. And I saw the name Cody Franzen and Lance Boma pop up today while following the Ice Hogs game along on Twitter. And I thought, I remember those guys. They were Blackhawks for a while.
1: Yep. Yep. I'm definitely I'm looking forward to the postseason in the AHL, seeing the Wolves play a couple times this season, both on TV and in person. They really do have a shot at winning the Calder Cup. I know that like the Toronto Marlies are an incredibly good team and they are they've been just dominant this season. And then you have several other teams like the Phantoms out in Lehigh Valley, the Toronto Marlies, the Syracuse Crunch. Those teams have all had really good seasons. Those Wolves are so difficult to beat at Allstate Arena, and it could be a very fun postseason run for them. So I would highly encourage you guys, if you're interested in watching some good playoff hockey, either head out to All-State Arena or check them out on TV because I think it could be a very good spring out in Rosemont for the Wolves.
2: See what happens when you play Brandon Peary all the time, my friend? That's
1: right, my friend. And also, when you invite the uh, Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast out for an event,
2: Well, that's just good karma. All right, let's that's go through right, the uh, hockey. Ma- let's go through the playoff matchups here, and then we will uh, choose our favorite and most exciting matchups of the first round, and then give our picks for Stanley Cup champion. Uh, the first, let's start with the Eastern Conference. Uh, number one seed Tampa Bay Lightning take on the New Jersey Devils. Then you've got the Washington Capitals taking on the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Boston Bruins and the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Philadelphia Flyers. That's the West. I mean, that's East. Now for the Western Conference. The number one seed in President's Trophy winning National Predators take on the Colorado Avalanche. Then it's the expansion Vegas Golden Knights versus the LA Kings. Then it's Anaheim hosting San Jose. And finally, the Winnipeg Jets and the Minnesota Wild in a divisional matchup. So, which of those, James, excites you the most? Dude,
1: you remember all the years that the West was just chock full of good matchups and we kind of ignored the East? God, the shoe is on the other foot now. I think Vegas and L.A. could be a very intriguing series. It has that potential makeup. I think Colorado could maybe give Nashville a little bit of a challenge, but I just don't. I don't see a path to Colorado pulling – you know, a dynamite upset of like five games or whatever, maybe a seven game knockdown drag out brawl potentially. But those Western series just aren't doing much for me. The one that I absolutely have circled is the Boston Toronto series. I think that has all the makings of what could be an absolutely incredible classic series. You've got Boston who is one of the best teams in the NHL this season and are one of my Stanley Cup favorites, going up against a Toronto team that's just so young and so hungry and so well coached, to have those two teams going up against each other in the first round, boy, howdy, that's good, man. That's one I'm definitely looking forward to. And then, of course, the meatball and me. Pittsburgh and Philadelphia beat the hell out of each other for seven games. Let's go. I can't wait for that series either.
2: All right, I'm with you on uh, Boston and Toronto. That's the series I'm most excited about. Um, Part of me is very interested to see how the Winnipeg Jets fare in the playoffs. It's been years in the making. They have been the team that almost every year everyone says, look out for the Jets, look out for the Jets, and then they they fizzle out. This year they have not fizzled out. Um, I can see the Jets going a long way in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now it's just a matter of how will they handle... Uh, the spotlight of the playoffs, the higher expectations for the first time. But I'm really excited to watch the Jets. And another part of me, I kind of want to see the Wild take that next step. I know they're a division rival. I know that they've got a long history with the Blackhawks. And as a Hawks supporter, we're not supposed to like them. But I think them gaining a little bit of legitimacy like the National Predators have will be really good for the sport. They've got some big-name players on there. Both of them, Suter and Parisi, at the end of their careers, uh, winding things down. But still, I think that that market with that team uh, just becoming a legitimate cup contender every year would be very healthy for the sport. So that, to me, is another one I'm watching closely, Winnipeg and Minnesota.
1: I I was a little bit surprised by this. I knew Winnipeg obviously had an incredibly good season. I didn't realize they were only three points behind Nashville for the president's trophy. And they had the second best record in the entire NHL. I didn't know that. Like they kind of snuck up on us a little bit this season and just top to bottom, they are a really fascinating team. Now, We talk often on this show about how the NHL can't get out of its own damn way and they can't figure out how to do anything. They have games in that Winnipeg, Minnesota series on the Golf Channel. Jay, I looked at some of the stuff that they're going up against on USA and NHL Network, and it's basically Law & Order SVU marathons on USA or six hours of NHL tonight on the NHL network. Why on earth would you prefer to have them on golf channel as opposed to either one of those networks?
2: All right. Now I've heard a lot about this. All right. So first of all, I couldn't care less. It is 2018. It is easy to find whatever you're looking for. You hit the button on your remote and say, show me NHL hockey. And there's all the games and you click the one you want. It's not difficult. This has been a pet peeve of mine for a long time. As far as I can tell, there is one playoff game scheduled on the Golf Channel. Let me check again. Let me make sure I'm right. I see one game. Okay, two games. Game four of Duck Sharks and game four of Devil's Lightning. Those are the two games that are on the Golf Channel throughout the entire playoffs. The rest are on CNBC, NHL Net, etc., Uh, it doesn't bother me at all. I know it bothers some people. It doesn't bother me at all. Again, it has become so simple to find sports or anything on your television. You don't have to get up anymore and change the clicker. You don't have to know the channel number anymore. Everything is right there for you. So I'm not going to get upset about it. Should the NHL have a better TV deal? Absolutely. But to me, it's no more inconvenient to put on the golf channel than it is for me to put on ESPN. It's the same amount of steps It's the same amount of work. It takes the same amount of knowledge to make it happen. So I'm not going to get up in arms about it.
1: I was under the impression that the Minnesota Winnipeg series was on Golf Channel. Why on earth was I lied to? I'm looking here. It's uh,
2: game one CNBC, game two USA, game three USA, game four CNBC.
1: Yeah, that all makes sense. Why was I lied to? Well, I, I feel have to like qualify this. I saw bad information on the Twitters.
2: Well, let me qualify this. This information is on the NHL.com app, so it could very well be wrong. Because <laughs> they That's suck. Fair. Have I vented on the show about the uh, NHL.com morning email? No. Yeah. Okay, so I subscribed to this morning email. Like, Oh, cool. I have like, a nice little thing like with all the day's news. I can watch it on the train, catch up on everything they send it every day roughly around ten thirty a.m central that is not helpful that doesn't help me out if i want to find out about the games or what happened the night before i found out about them long ago when i was commuting at seven in the morning or eight in the morning when those people in new york who send that email have been at work for four hours get the email sent overnight sheesh
1: you know what, Jay? It's called the Internet. Why don't you actually, like, go and find this information? You know, we live in a modern age where it's all at your fingertips.
2: Like, well, I can easily do that, but the <laughs> NHL plans out. They say, look what we're doing for you. We're going to send this email every day. It's going to have all the links. You can watch all the highlights. Everything's going to be in there. It's going to be very streamlined, and I don't get it till I'm eating lunch. That's dumb. That's the most NHL thing in the world right there. Yeah. All right. Stanley Cup winner by the way
1: did you uh know who uh got Doc Emmerich for the first round of the postseason I don't Toronto Boston
2: well that's right it should be that that's yeah yeah that's the right I would agree
1: and Minnesota Winnipeg got Gord Miller which I think could be very entertaining and I'm a little bit surprised that they went Kenny Alberts on Colorado Nashville I would have thought they would have gone with him on the uh, Kings and Golden Knights or the Flyers and Penguins, but they didn't.
2: Well, you want him on. I I would agree with Flyers Penguins. I think you want him on. uh, You don't want him that late when Vegas and L.A. are playing. You're going to lose Kenny Albert to a large part of the country. Um, Maybe they don't do
1: Nashville, Colorado isn't going to exactly be an early start, though. Half
2: of it will. None of it will be for Vegas and L.A. That's fair. Um, and I think maybe the Pittsburgh and Philly thing could be because he's with the Rangers. Mm, I'm yeah. sure they have not thought of it as deeply as we have already, though. Maybe they're probably like, put him in Cleveland. There's no team in Cleveland, Gary. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, put him in Philly. OK, sure.
1: Yeah, I although I did see uh, AJ Malesko is going to be on that Colorado Nashville series oh, with good. Kenny Albert and Brian Boucher.
2: She is so good. I that loved her. Be, that should be good on the Olympics. She was uh, outstanding, and it was I loved my favorite moment uh, aside from USA winning the gold medal, of course. Was Pierre McGuire saying, "There's too many men on the ice"? I mean, women. I mean, people. And AJ goes, "It's okay, Pierre. We call them men too." Yeah, <laughs> That's really funny. That that is
1: what they say, like that. It's always been a question I've had, like, do you still call in softball? Do you still say second baseman instead of second base, like
2: second base person?
1: I've never said that, and I feel like it's just kind of it's one of those things that I'm sure it's just like so ingrained in everybody that it doesn't really cause any controversy, but that's. What I think of when I hear Pierre Maguire kind of struggle through the. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Look, I, <laughs> the I, I, you know me, I'm, I'm an SJW. Everyone knows that. Both of us well, are. We, we both reviews. are.
1: And that's why our podcast is so highly rated. Right.
2: Um, but I have like a level of this is too much to care about. And second base men versus second base person is over that line. Of, I would agree. Holy crap. Who could possibly care and why? Okay, let's make our Stanley Cup pick, shall we?
1: All right, do you want to pick, like, who do you think is going to reach the final and then pick a winner? Let's
2: predict our final and our winner, yes.
1: Let's do this. You want me to go first? Yes. All right, I am going to go with the Boston Bruins. Okay. Going up against the Nashville Predators.
2: All right, I'm with you in the West. I think Nashville rolls pretty easily, actually, to the Stanley Cup final. And my Eastern Conference champion, are you ready for this, my friend? Are you ready for the hottest of hot takes?
1: I am going to hit you so hard if you're like New Jersey.
2: The Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: Okay, I can go with that. They're going
2: to do it. They've got the best coach in the game. They've got great young stars. They've got a furious fan base that is ready to go, ready to win. They had their highest point total in franchise history this year. Did you know that?
1: I did not know that. That
2: stunned and astounded me, but that's the truth. I think the Leafs are going to win the Eastern Conference. It's going to be a spectacular, memorable run, and then the Predators are going to pace them and beat them in five.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> That's what I think going to happen. Yeah, so you, you're picking the <laughs> National Predators to win the
2: Stanley Cup? I am, as much as it pains me, and I do think if I have to pick, like someone asked me on the air with David Schuster, like who's your surprise team? I don't know if you can call the Jets a surprise But I think they're probably the second shot coming out of the West, and if they come out, they're going to win, too. I think those are the two best teams in the league right now.
1: You do know this means that it's going to be Pittsburgh
2: and, like, Anaheim, right? No, I'll be totally wrong. (sighs) I picked the Hawks in seven, my friend.
1: I'm trying to think of, like, the series that I would have the least amount of interest in. Anything with the Devils. I would say Pittsburgh-Anaheim would be up there. Oh,
2: I just like I gagged when you that said I just, that. Whoa. <laughs> I, 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 I I gagged when you said that. That's like if, if
1: it's Nashville, Tampa Bay or Nashville, Toronto, I'm in. Sign me the hell up. I will watch every single minute of that
2: series. Let me say and this. I, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: Well, I was going to say like the those to me are like the two best. And I'm sure the NHL is like, oh, dear God. No.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And I have to say this is like a really dumb thought. And I'm so I'm qualifying it. But. I can't watch the ducks because their uniforms suck. They're aesthetically offensive to me. Like they're black and gold and orange. Like, can you do something with a little more pizzazz? I had a vision. I saw a duck fly out of a tree, which i would never seen before. But I saw a duck fly out of a tree and land on the ground. And I had a revelation.
1: You so, want it to be green and orange, don't you?
2: I want the duck's helmets to be green, like a mallard. There you go that's why people pay the good money to listen to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast there is a team called the quad
1: city mallards by the way i think the uh ducks could potentially pull some lessons from them
2: do they wear green helmets
1: i do not know but i know that their primary colors are green and orange
2: if they don't i'm not interested
1: okay well i just was letting you know that (laughs) you know that's somebody that anaheim could potentially model themselves after all right
2: well anyone but their current situation because it's bad and it's ugly all right you ready to do some emails finally
1: you don't want my stanley cup pick oh
2: god i thought you did it already i
1: saw nah, dude i i gave you my nashville boston oh yeah and Final. you gave me your
2: nightmare pick yes uh, yeah, i gave
1: you the nightmare that i do not want under any circumstances and thus will inevitably happen
2: all right go for it
1: by the way i, I do want to point out out of all the series in the first round i i I can see some upsets happening. Can you see New Jersey beating Tampa Bay in round one? Like I actually can see it and I'm kind of stunned that I'm even like entertaining this notion, but can you,
2: I can't answer this question because I have a visceral reaction to when I see the New Jersey devils on television that I immediately want to turn my TV off. I know it's years of PTSD from watching the Lou Lamorello, uh, devil's teams and the Jacques Lemaire ducks teams that were just so Friggin' boring to watch that i just can't handle them and my brain sees those jerseys like uh, turn it off so i have not watched enough of the devils to make that pick i think that maybe the two of us are maybe underrating the lightning a little bit because they've been a really good team all year no 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 i it's
1: definitely not an indictment of tampa bay it's just i think that New Jersey, I think, could be one of those teams that maybe sneaks up on you a little bit because no, Taylor Boston. Hall is playing out of his freaking mind right now. That's true. Like, I'm very intrigued by that matchup. Obviously, Tampa Bay has got a ton of firepower and a really good roster, but you never know what's going to happen in the postseason. And I just, I look at that matchup and I go, hmm, there's at least a chance. And, like, I don't think there are any series where an upset would genuinely shock me. I think the only one that would even come close to qualifying for that, I think, is maybe Nashville, Colorado. I just do not see the Avalanche beating the Predators.
2: Yeah, during their last game with the Hawks, they showed some numbers that were not very encouraging if you're an Avalanche fan. There's definitely a correction coming because they've had, like, preposterous shooting percentage and just unsustainable success with the puck and luck with the puck. And I think once the playoffs start, that stuff sort of runs out.
1: And they still got in over the Blues.
2: (laughs) Way to go, Hawks. Now it's
1: email time. Now that we got in our gratuitous dig at the Blues.
2: All right, let's do it.
1: Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at
2: madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Coverage Cafe. With locations in Burbank and Darien, visit Chuck's Cafe.com. Dot com for all the info you will need the Darien location off of I-55 and Cass Avenue the Burbank location 79th and Natchez and Burton Burton Burbank obviously the Burbank location would be in Burbank that makes sense I'm bad at my job but if you know he's not bad at his job Chuck Pine he's really good at his job because he gets you excellent Cajun food excellent barbecue excellent Mexican you want just your standard pub fare the wings the burgers all that stuff He'll hook you up with that too. Everything at Chuck's is incredible. Everyone that goes to Chuck's will find something they love and will want to go back time and time again. They've got the 120 Beer Club. That shows you how many beers they have on tap. Try each one of them over time, of course, not all in one sitting, and you will win a really cool prize from Chuck's. So check them out, chuckscafe.com, for all their specials, for all their menus. They do differ from location to location, so make sure you head to chuckscafe.com. Before you head to Chuck, so you know and you can preview what you're going to want to eat. All right, my friend, are you ready for some emails?
1: I'm always ready for emails.
2: All right, now this email is a month old and I missed it because I'm bad. It's from Brandon. He says, At the beginning of last season, I adopted the New Jersey Devils. My reasons why I'm a Sox fan, so obviously I like the little bastard child of a city. I thought about the Islanders, but then thought New Jersey, the bastard stepchild of New York. I like that. <laughs> They uh-huh. were dominant in the late 90s and 2000s when I was a kid. Bordeaux, Stevens, Eliash, Volchuk, and Blackhawks legend John Madden. Last year was rough, but getting a draft lottery guy uh, like and guys like Butcher made me excited for this team. Started off super hot, but have had injuries and are slowing down. When I watch them play, I feel like I used to when I watch the Hawks. They're never out of a game. Plus, the great bands that have come from New Jersey. Bouncing Souls, Misfits, Gaslight Anthem, The Boss, Bon Jovi, Go Devils. Brandon, sorry it took me so long to get your email. I suck, and I'm fired.
1: I would agree, my friend. <laughs> Anything you, you want fired. to add
2: about the Devils? Any great New Jersey bands you want to add in there?
1: No, I think he pretty much hit all of them. All right. I mean, yeah, I just, it was well-constructed. I can't believe it took you a month to come at us with that uh, kind of thing.
2: Yeah, uh, I'm the worst. Ryan, uh, Guerico, Guercio, Guercio. Let me know if I said that right, Ryan. I like to get last names right. Who's Guercio. G-U-E-R-C-I-O. Oh, okay. Guercio. What else could it be? He says, first of all, I'd like to say I'm a big Brent Seabrook supporter and believe he has a spot on this team for the near future. His contract makes him impossible to move, but I also feel he's still a capable 4-5-6-D man and can be put in the right spots to succeed. Looking at the free agent crop of defensemen, the only one that stands out is John Carlson, who we discussed earlier who, if he hits the open market, will start a bidding war. Chara and Green are too old for the Hawks to consider for their price. Would the Blackhawks consider approaching Seabrook to renegotiate his contract? They can't do that. I realize no professional player would want to take less, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, you cannot renegotiate your deal at all. The deals are locked in. You can retire. If Brent Seabrook wants to retire, that's a renegotiation. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there's no like restructuring or, re- or renegotiation because the Hawks would have revisited that Dozens of times over the last ten years to keep players they wanted to keep.
1: Yeah, those contracts are guaranteed and cannot be edited. About the only thing that you have the option to do is you can do a buyout, but that is just prolonging the agony even longer.
2: Uh, he goes on here with Taves and Schmaltz slotting in as your top two centers. They would should look to trade an Icimov and possibly a current D or asset for a top four defenseman. Realistically. He's an experienced second-line center that many teams would be happy to have, but he should be playing on the third line behind both Taves and Schmaltz. His salary is a lot to play for a third-line center. They have some younger guys able to slot in and play that position, Secura, camp, Hayden, Edgel, etc. and they can easily sign a vet in free agency for $1 to $3 million to fill that role. With the combo of the Seabrook pay cut, can't do that, and an of trade and the upcoming cap flexibility, the Hawks could realistically add two top-four defensemen, and still have enough room to keep Hosa on the roster if he decides he wants to go once last time at a cup. That also will not happen. Stan Bowman squashed that very quickly uh in the meetings this weekend. Oh, I didn't
1: even hear that bit of it. Uh I had listened to a good chunk of it. I must have missed the Hosa part. But Yeah, he yeah, said I mean, his
2: status has not changed.
1: Yeah, I I honestly could see them potentially trying to package an Eastman off for a top four defenseman. I just don't know who bites on that.
2: By the way, I want to say, speaking of things that were said by Stan Bowman, when he said Schmaltz and Dabrinkit, he also said Henestrosa. He sees Henestrosa as one of those future pieces of the team, so that's important to note. That's another guy that he has identified as important and needing to lock up long-term for the uh, future of the team. All right, last email of the show comes from Alex B. He says, hello, James and Jay. How are y'all doing? We're fine. He says, what was your favorite memory or moment from the season? Obviously taking those two points from the blues at the very end to uh make their playoff uh situation more difficult and of course they didn't get in and game one where they smoked the penguins that was a lot of fun uh he says do you think the hawks will find try to find another backup goalie or stick with what they got and improve the defense both as we they will
1: absolutely try to do both and i think the backup goaltender position i do see them addressing yes
2: Here's his here's his big question. He says, what is the most outrageous offseason move you could see happening? Oh,
1: oh, God. (laughs) Well, here's here's what's going to happen, guys. Vegas is going to somehow win the Stanley Cup and then they're going to go out and get Eric Carlson from the senators. And everyone's heads are going to collectively blow up.
2: Oh, I was thinking just Hawks. But, yeah. Uh,
1: Yeah. Like that. I can map that scenario out. Yeah, you sure could. So, wait, like the most outrageous thing we could see happening with the Blackhawks?
2: Yeah, go with that one. Boy, my head's reeling from the one you just said, though. (laughs) I could (laughs) definitely see Carlson ending up in Vegas.
1: So can I. It's like it's realistic, man. Like It's not like a far-fetched thing to think.
2: (laughs) All right, what's Mm. your Hawks one, and I'll give you mine.
1: I think the craziest thing I could see them doing is – all of a sudden pulling an about face and trading Patrick Kane. Like, mm-hmm. I just, I cannot imagine that potentially happening, but if you want outrageous, that would definitely qualify.
2: That, to me, is a little too outrageous. I would be shocked as hell if that happened.
1: Oh, me too, but he said outrageous, man. I'm not sure. going to go like, oh, they're going to trade Myriad Host's cap hit. Like, pff, come on. Go big or go home, man. All right,
2: well, I think the most realistically outrageous thing, I think there's a percentage chance that they would consider moving Brandon Saad.
1: There you go. That's I, a that's a good, at least mildly realistic thing.
2: And I don't I don't want them to. Because I feel like his value will never be lower than it is now. And we talked about a correction coming for the avalanche to the negative. A correction for Brandon Saad is coming to the positive too. Remember, the first part of this year we thought he was gonna be a 3540 goal scorer. Then he just hit the wall and, and everything went to hell. The underlying stats were very good last year. All signs indicate that Brandon Saad will bounce back to what we expected him to be when he signed with the Blackhawks. So that said, I do think there's a small percentage chance the Blackhawks would consider it. Again, not saying they should, not saying I would, but I think there is a small, small, small glimmer of a chance that the Hawks would consider it for the right return.
1: What about trading Duncan Keith?
2: I mean listen, if I'm Sam Bowman, I'm listening on everything. There's nothing I'm turning down. There's nothing I'm saying no to, right? Hey,
1: we want Alex DeBrinkart.
2: Talk to me. Blow my socks off. If they can find someone, I love Alex DeBrinkart. You know that. He's he's a North American tavo to me. I love the kid. I think he's going to be a total star. But to me, short of hall of fame for sure talent. You, you listen on everybody. If someone's going to blow you away and give you a potential franchise-changing change changing player for brinket, you listen. You listen, and if you're going to keep Kane and Taves and Keith and all these guys, and you can get a star to help you right now, maybe you have to consider it. I wouldn't, but I'd at least listen. I would at least listen to what people had to say. I can go with that. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Very happy the playoffs are underway. Thank you all for joining us. I know this was a long episode. It got longer than I thought it would be, but that's a good thing. We had a ton to talk about today. And uh, always, if you want to email us, madhousepod at gmail.com, we do our very best to get to each and every one of them. As long as they're not overly redundant with what we did during the episode, obviously, um, we try to get all those questions answered. So hit us up there and until next time we'll probably get back to our once per week schedule here james um as the playoffs roll on and then when the summer hits after free agency and everything and the draft we'll probably we'll break it up but we'll we'll get to, we'll cross that bridge when we get there but for now thanks for listening to the madhouse chicago hockey podcast which has been brought to you by triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs call chris 708-478-6090 marishka's in crest hill family owned and operated since 1933 and Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. For my partner, James Neveau, I'm Jay Zawoski. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.
0: If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart.